and haters out there that say that AI will kill recruitment. Uh, mm. The recruitment industry keeps on growing 8% year on year for agencies. It's a people led business, selling people to people. Uh, I think it's gonna be another 10, 15 years before any AI or any technology can fully take over that process. So I think. You're listening to the 9 to Survive podcast, where we speak to the most inspiring entrepreneurs of Australia. I'm your host, Alex Whiteside, the CEO of Easy Companies. Running your own business can be quite daunting and scary. We're here to show you how to face those fears and help you build your dream today. We listen to the innovators, the game changers, and the thought leaders who have built their startups from the ground up. Hear what makes them tick, how they've overcome their own failures, and be inspired to take your own leap of faith and ignite your passion for business. So on today's show, we have Chris Armand from Saucer. So he's running a online recruitment platform, trying to join companies and recruiters together. So it's a marketplace. And if you haven't already, make sure you like us on Facebook and subscribe to this podcast uh, on whatever app you're listening in and on YouTube. Hope you enjoy the show. So welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. Uh, so it's good to have you on the Nine to Survive uh, podcast. Now you've your co-founded Saucer. Maybe just tell us a little bit about what Saucer does. Yeah, of course. So Saucer is a recruitment marketplace that helps employers in the market navigate uh, the recruitment agency space. So what we found is it's actually a real challenge to find specialist recruiters within specialist recruiters rather within a given market. So we've created a marketplace where employers can post a job and we'll match them with specialist recruiters based on that role. And what we're finding is we're managed to, managing to help those employers hire people a lot better and a lot cheaper than going direct to agency. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's we, I'm, we're pretty aligned with that at Easy Companies because one of the hardest challenges we've had is finding the right candidates. Mm. And not only that, it's finding the right recruitment agencies because nowadays it just seems there's so many, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge. We've we've sort of seen over the last 10 years, the market fragment. So 10 years ago, the likes of your Hayes, your Robert Walters and your Michael Page would be able to deliver mm. for you on, on all cylinders, so to speak. Whereas these days, it's really important to find specialist recruiters in niche markets in order to get the best results. But as a business, it's really difficult to understand where you can find these guys. So that's yeah. why we've sort of created a platform that, that optimizes it, really. Yeah, because when you type in recruitment uh, on Google, you just you get all those big guys you just mentioned, Hayes and yes. that. And it's like, you almost think, I'm just going to pick up the phone and these guys are going to solve all my problems. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which, look, there, there are good recruiters in no, those spaces. Yeah. But um, there are really good recruiters as well in their own small businesses. And that's what I've seen, yeah. yeah it's um yeah it's all about visibility how do we make those guys visible to you yeah um, and I, I definitely think for startups um you get more attention from the smaller tier recruitment firms we've um, we've tended small to, to mid i mean that's not always the case but you know obviously the bigger entities have bigger budgets and bigger sales targets and stuff like that right yeah of course so we we can't comment necessarily too much on the bigger agencies but what we know is the service levels that we see from the smaller ones have been fantastic and um the relationships that they create with the employers and that um care factor is is really important particularly Mm. as a smaller business where your first hires are really critical so you want to make sure that that care factor is there and scary too it is it is very scary yeah, yeah because 
unfortunately, you know, you know it happens wrong and it takes a lot of time to mm. ruminate and decide who your first hire is going to be. So you've got to make sure it's right. Yeah, love it. What got you into business? What, what did you want to be when you were growing up? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I, I suppose when I was going through school, um, I didn't really have a focus or an idea of what I wanted to be. I toyed mm. with the idea of um, a fireman. I toyed with the idea of being a pilot. But um, I suppose in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be a businessman of some sort. I was I was really good with numbers. So I, I took the traditional path of going into finance, went to university and um, did a finance degree there with a view to going into investment banking. And I think after that sort of eye-opening experience mm. of moving to a different city and going to university, I decided that I wanted to, you know, eventually try something for myself. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, yeah. and then you've, you know, you've co-founded this business now. Yeah. What was it like, um, you know, having to leave a job and start this business? Um, yeah, it's pretty daunting. Yeah, uh, I I suppose the way I looked at it when we first made the big step is there was no opportunity that I would have that would have been better than the current situation I was in as a person. You know, I, I had a partner at the time, but we had no additional responsibilities mm. of kids or a mortgage or anything like that. So it just felt right. Mm. The, the question that I used to play in my mind was what is the worst that can happen? And, and that sort of really drove me to make that first big step. Yeah, it's true. It's, mm. uh, you know, as a business owner, it's like when you, you know, when you're in a well-paying job in a position, it's like, you know, I mean, for me in saying that it was quite scary, even with all that kind of security, but at <clears> the same time, you're right. If you look at the what ifs, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that's the way of you, you you're doing it. No one's going to get you out of bed in the morning. You've mm. got to be self-motivated to do it yourself. And you've got to understand that, look, yeah, you're not going to be getting the salary you probably got previously, but it's a means to an end. And there's hopefully a risk reward factor with that. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, what's it been like having a co-founder um, in, in business? Um, how do you deal with the kind of day-to-day -day operations? Do you split roles or do you kind of mesh into each one? We, me and my co-founder have known each other a very long time. Mm. So myself and James actually went to university together. So we lived together for four years. So we there's a good, to the other side good relationship the there already. Yeah, great. Yeah. We, we know when to tell each other to piss off and we know when to work <laughs> yeah. with each other. So, um, which I know some co-founders struggle with. I speak with mm. a lot of founders who don't necessarily have a close personal relationship. That haven't had that kind of backing as a friendship. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And um, I think it helps us be more honest with each other. So we, we see ourselves as co-CEOs as well, and, and it helps us make sure that we put enough thought behind some of the bigger decisions in the business. We've we've pivoted our, I suppose we pivoted our platform a little bit. So I, I'm tending to focus more on the recruiter side of the platform and James mm -hmm. focuses more on the client side at the moment but in saying that when we come to strategical decisions it's, it's, it's as a whole as a business yeah exactly yeah yeah yes yeah, so that sounds like it works well um and like where did where did the idea come from in terms of getting you know source off the ground where did you find this idea yeah so um my my co-founder was a former recruiter at a recruitment agency and his challenge day to day was he was spending probably 50 or 60% of his time on business development as a recruiter, um, which seemed, I suppose, 
quite interesting to to both of us because most of their time should be spent sourcing and finding candidates. Mm. And if you look at any other traditional uh, professional services, lawyers, accountants, whatnot, you don't see those guys going out and having to source their own business through cold calls and whatnot. So there's a fundamental disconnect. And on the other side of the um, the equation, I was an employer. I was working in a private equity firm and I managed a portfolio of about 23 accounts. And often as a corporate arm, they'd come to us and ask for their next senior hires, where should they go? Who should they speak to? And I'd chat with James and I'd say, should we use this particular agency that he worked with? And um, he didn't know anyone in that agency who worked in particular finance niches. So we we realized that there's a, there's a better way to connect the two sides of the market, employers and recruiters, and, and came up with this with this idea and sort of ran with it, did a bit of research overseas and it was doing quite well in the UK and US and- The, the model of, of this business? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So the, the model of posting jobs mm. and having a marketplace of recruiters on the other side. So really taking that business development side um, away from recruitment agencies. And uh, seeing the successes of it overseas probably gave us the confidence and the validation. The confidence that was gonna work here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. and. Um, and yeah, then we took the leap and never looked back. Yeah, and now you've recently, um, you're able to secure seed funding. Yes. Um, and um, can you tell us about the process of going through that? Because I'm sure a lot of businesses that are you know looking for either angel or VC would be quite interested in that. Yeah, of course. So uh, we, we raised through a um, syndicate of investors called Sydney Angels. They obviously work out of Sydney. A bunch of high net worth individuals and you go through a pitching process with them where you apply, go through a, a pitch with five other um, startups, you get whittled down to three and then from that three they make a decision who they want to invest with. As part of, I suppose, my learnings in doing that is when you're pitching to these guys, particularly if you're at the stage where we were at where we weren't necessarily profitable, we were just generating revenue, or you're talking very, very early stage. You've got to paint the bigger picture. You've got to paint the fact that you've you've really addressed this problem. You've done your research on that problem and paint this bigger picture mm. in how it can turn into what, what they deem. Do you feel it helped having, you know, success in that industry overseas? Like, did you bring in that we, insight or not particularly? Yeah, we did actually. Um, little snippets of amounts that they'd raised yeah. and, and the successes and the businesses that they'd worked with it again paints this picture of trust it's all about social proofing mm -hmm. right um the two key important things for most investors i say is one the team and two the proof behind the pudding or the concept that you're trying to build mm -hmm. so anything that you can do to remove these barriers is going to make it um more likely that you're hopefully going to raise funds and get your business to the next stage yeah we're, we're pretty risk averse here in australia aren't we um do you find that? Yeah, yeah. We spoke to a hell of a lot of investors um, mm. who wanted your traction, your metric numbers, and and like all that. Tell, sort of tell stuff. me that this is going to work. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Um, Leave little risk on the table, and then here's you know that's here's it, the yeah. convertible note. You know, it's um, the the sh what I found is with some of the more sophisticated investors, they were expecting scientific metrics that small businesses haven't worked out with exactly yeah. what they are yet, um, and that was a challenge. Yeah, and I think I think that's the hardest thing being a startup is sometimes when you look at, um, you kind of want to forecast everything, you kind of want to understand everything, and you do all these you know statistics and forecasts. But there's so many errors in it because it's just 
you don't have a proper data scientist or you haven't gone through yeah, the rigmarole. The, so it all looks sound. And then later you go back a month later and you're like, hold on, there's an error in that. <laughs> you know. The one thing that I know about forecasts that is always right is every forecast is wrong. Yeah. So I understand that you have to, you have to it's spend It's good to time. have an idea of the, yeah. the buffer. But, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's more stress testing and sensitivity cash mm. flow. That's really important. But, you know, it's a goal more than um, more than anything. Yeah. I think. So you, you highlighted before that, um, you know, you're bridging the gap of business development for recruiters or at least in their marketing engines, right? Yeah. Um, what's your, like, what are their major challenges as a recruitment firm? Is it just lack of investment in marketing or? Yeah, I think investment in education. It's, mm. um, it's a very traditional business model recruitment. Most people have experienced recruiters before the, you know, they're very sales driven. Uh, their KPIs in terms of an individual in an agency are very sales driven and it means that um, sometimes it can come across as pushy because they're required to do their own sales. As much as that's always going to be an important part of recruitment, if we can take, um, I suppose, some of that away from the mm-hmm. agencies that we're working with, it means they can focus on aligned goals with the employer, which is finding the right candidates. Yeah, so they spend more time finding better better candidates yes and you're finding like they're kind of more focused on the candidates and you're more more focused on getting them the clients like the you know employers yeah exactly um it's called the traditionally in the market it's called a 360 recruiter where they're Mm. responsible for the candidate side and responsible for the business development side my belief is people that are really good at the business development side aren't necessarily good at the sourcing and account mm. management side of things. Um, so if we can focus on for these particular recruits who prefer the sourcing side and prefer the relationships and finding candidates and remove this business development aspect, we can make much more well-rounded recruiters. Yeah, that's mm. true. So what, what's been the insight so far from recruitment agencies in terms of you know the work that you're doing in this space have you had pushback or is it really well received it's pretty well received i'd say 90 percent, 95 percent of recruiters that we um that we approached come onto the platform were really interested we I, I mentioned before that we'd sort of gone through a bit of a pivot with the product we're very much a marketplace i suppose one of the found findings that we discovered over the last 12 18 months were reviews and testimonials were the really big part of the decision making for employers they wanted more reviews and testimonials on the recruiters that they were deciding to engage. And recruiters wanted to use the reviews that they um, had collected from other employers that they use outside of Sourcer. So we've sort of created this separate review and recommendations mm. platform for the recruiters as well, which which has been great. It, it helps them improve their personal brand and provides a little bit more extra value to the guys uh, outside of just the marketplace and what that can provide for them. Yeah. and. In terms of growing the business, what's been the biggest challenges you've faced? Um, uh, challenging growth is always revenue. Um, mm. I think you said before that the Australian market is pretty conservative. I, I tend to agree, mm. uh, particularly at the bigger end. So conceptually, if they're used to this traditional way of using recruiters previously, it's sometimes hard to get breakthrough. So like to get people to change the the mindset. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, there's, um, you know, to remove this barrier of uncertainty was very difficult in the start. So we were very conscious of creating case studies of successes and, um, and how things worked. 
and using that as ammo as part of our sales and marketing. But again, um, as a revenue model, we're a marketplace, so it can be crocodile teeth. What just because you have a really successful month, one month, it doesn't mean the next month's uh, going to be successful. Mm. So, so you find seasonality in in the space. Yeah, mm. seasonality, even just month on month bad luck. It's mm. the nature of perm recruitment that we call champagne and razor blades. <laughs> uh, sometimes you're on a high, sometimes you're on a low. So, we're moving into the temp space, which hopefully will provide a little bit more consistency for that revenue, and it means that we can predict our growth a little bit better. Yeah, nice. Ah, uh, so yeah, so you're saying that you know because certain employers are looking at certain times of the years temps kind of flatten that out yeah exactly so the way the way that temp works because it's people continuously in business and it's not just a payment fee up front it creates a little bit more consistency in that revenue line which is important for any startup to be able to sort of predict the next steps and who the next hires are going to be mm. and and where the next money is going to get invested you, you need to know it's coming in right yeah I'm interested. Have you used Saucy yourself? Um, we kind of pseudo have used Saucy ourselves. Yeah. So obviously we don't have to put post on our yeah. own platform, <laughs> but yeah, we've used the recruiters. That would look good Saucer. though, right? Yeah, it would. I suppose our... we should. Because um... we, we've used easy companies ourselves. We've had to set up a few companies, and it's like, should we use ourselves? Should we use a competitor? <laughs> That's good you vindication know. for your product, then, eh? Yeah. It's, um... Well, it's like you could use a competitor so you can get insights on how it's all working, right? True, so, yeah. But if you're, I suppose, if you're confident in your own product yeah, and what you it does. Kind of, it's good, actually, because when you use your own product, you start to see like all the emails like completely as if you're a customer. And yeah. then you're like, hold on, this email template needs to be updated or something, you know? Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's true. just that experience of actually using it yourself. But yeah, that's, I was interested to know. Yeah, we um, we sort of did it off, off panel as such or off product, but it, it probably would be worth taking a look at to see how we can, um, you know, hire our next person via Saucer as a yeah. complete outsider. It's um, I'd like to think if we did post to a competitor that they'd probably spot us and take exactly. us off the platform, yeah. but yeah, then again, I'm not sure. I well, don't maybe. think you'd be too happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, are, are there, you know, is it a very competitive space, the marketplace that you're building in terms of recruitment? Is that a very competitive space? Not really at all. Um, there is another competitor in the market. They've got a little bit of a different spin on their model, um, but they're very much Brisbane centric. They're based up in Queensland. Mm. So in our Sydney market, we predominantly work Sydney, Melbourne. We don't necessarily see any direct competitors, Yeah, which is good. But then at the same time, it's difficult because there's not a lot to learn from. Uh, so um, we're a, always a moving vehicle. So what's worked really well in terms of getting the business off the ground? I mean, we've just spoken about the challenges. Um, what is it that's you know really excelled the business? You find we've been very UX focused with the product. Um, we've always wanted to make sure that it's a really simple design and it's really easy for companies to come on board, post a job and connect with the recruiters. So the time metrics through posting a job to get in match with the recruiters to receiving your first candidates is, is less than a week. Whereas off market, you're talking two to three weeks potentially. So that's what we're competing against. We need to make it a lot better and a lot simpler. So being design led, we get compliments all the time about the simplicity of our product and how well it works and whatnot. And I think that, that has probably helped create some word of mouth around it as well, which which continually brings in new leads for us, which is great. Mm. We um, we're not we don't 
get a lot of leads from marketing inbound as such we're very much outbound we've got a business development team we've got um referrals that come in so in order for us to be a success we need to make sure that the service we're providing is great so then other people can can refer into sourcer and we continue to grow yeah so i was reading an article on your linkedin about uh mental wellness so it was actually quite inspiring like a lot of the you know um, topics you were covering um what's your approach in terms of incorporating or, or maybe actually the first first thing we should cover is like what are your kind of approaches to mental wellness yeah in it in it it's know? it's a good question because if you would have asked me 12 months ago um uh before I, I i started looking into it more and wrote the article it was um it was very much a secondary thought to me and as i started exploring it i realized that i'd probably not been looking after myself you know from a health mm. and wellness perspective since i'd started the business you'll you'll know yourself i know yeah you start a business and that's, you know, second, all your energy is spent on growing the business and making sure that you're, you're doing things as best you can. And um, yeah, it just got to the point where I was like, well, you need to start looking after yourself. So in the mornings, I'm up at the gym, um, 6 a.m. in the morning before I get to work, there's no excuse. People will say they're too busy, but mm. I honestly find that if I don't exercise, my productivity levels will, will significantly drop. So mm. I don't know whether you sort of feel no, the same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, um, I go to the gym and I always try and get away from my desk for at least 10 minutes a day on my lunch, just step outside the office, step into the, the kitchen or the common area in our co-working space and have a chat because just that ability to switch off your mind helps you regenerate for the, the next, um, you know, few hours or whatever you're going to spend in the office. So mm. be more conscious, I think seeing it as an extension of your day is really important if you see it as just another task that you have to complete you're always going to try and avoid it but you know um it only takes 66 days apparently for something to become to a, habit. a habit yeah yeah so you've just got to stick to it and then it, and then you give up on it and then it's a it's another cycle to bring yeah. it back in but that's the beauty of habits they kind of come and go until they're done they're, they're in true yeah yeah you know, so you'll, it's, miss, you'll miss it a few days but for the most part it sticks around yeah, that's that's another good rule I have actually as well, mate. Try and go to the gym at least once every three days. Yeah. Even if it's twenty minutes, you don't have to commit to you know an hour, an hour and a half. Just let yourself reset and get your you know your blood pumping a little bit, so to speak. Yeah, of course. And so, what are you doing to bring that into um, you know the team? Is there is there any ways that you're bringing that into the culture or? Yeah, we. Um, we we've made a, a good culture of really spending time together as a team to sit and have lunch mm. um some of the guys go for walks afterwards which is which is great i'm one of the people that do that yeah um but yeah just getting away from the desk and making a conscious effort to to ensure that people are still chatting with each other outside of this work or desk environment because yeah, communication is the key right yeah exactly yeah. we're all friends which is really good we're, we're a close team we all get on really well together and i think that helps um helps productivity and, and culture and all that sort of really important stuff for a business hmm. that's good so how do you how do you see um recruitment changing in the future where do you see it going yeah uh, interesting there's um there's a lot of articles and and haters out there that say that ai will kill recruitment uh, hmm. the recruitment industry keeps on growing eight percent year on year for agencies it's a people-led business selling people to people 
I think it's going to be another 10, 15 years before any AI or any technology can fully take over that process. So I think businesses similar to ours or businesses that can complement recruitment agencies and make their job easier um, as a software, that's that's where we'll see the biggest changes. AI may help with some of the candidate screening, but we're turning into a really passive market. Most people don't look for jobs anymore. They wait for someone to call them about a job. So that's the challenge that we're going to be dealing with still over the next 10 years. And it's how do we engage those people better? Mm. That's, that's very true. It's, I mean, when you say recruitment is growing, you mean more companies are handing over to recruitment? Yeah. The rather revenue. than doing it internally. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So there's a, the, if you look at global agency spend, it continues to go up every year, which is, um, if you looked at what everyone else was saying about recruitment dying and whatnot, it's the opposite. Mm. So um, I think we just need to embrace it and just work out better ways that we can partner with agencies. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Atlassian said for the first like eight years or something, I think it was, they never used recruiters. Um, I think that's changed really? now. Yeah, I'd, um... but yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting stat, and they were just saying like you should always run you know always run your own recruitment because recruiters are kind of just trying to run their own game and stuff like that but yeah um i'd like I, to put... i'd say it's very challenging to... <laughs> yeah i <laughs> mean they, they hired thousands yeah. of people right yeah. I'd... it's very challenging to run your own recruitment show in a, in a small company where you're already wearing 100 hats yeah exactly um, um and that's what we want to make easier right it's 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 the one of the most important things you'll do is hire new team members. It's, you know, it's critical to business growth, but at the same time, you can't be out on the market sourcing and, and doing that yourself when you have a business to run. Yeah, so. and then candidate screening, you know, exactly. getting... Yeah. And I, I've definitely found, as a business owner, better quality candidates come via recruiters Yeah. Um, than what you'll find yourself. And it goes to that point that most people aren't applying for jobs anymore. They're, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're speaking the to market. recruiters because they know that recruiters are going to give them are going to find them a better better pay in the end that's that's the way i've probably seen it like yeah. they're going to fight to get them you know the salary they want of course rather yeah. than the candidate approaching the business and going yeah this is this is why i should work for you it's kind of that middle person you know yeah yeah you're right you're right it's um and that's where candidate experience comes mm -hmm. really important if if recruiters are acting um, in the best interest of a candidate, that means that they'll typically have the best candidate pool available to them to help employers. So we're actually seeing, it's quite topical in the industry mm. at the moment, how candidate experience is a reflection of a recruiter's performance and employers are wanting to understand the candidate experiences mm. that recruiters are providing. And that goes to word of mouth as well, right? So. Exactly, exactly. So it's, um, yeah, personal branding and creating trust in the market, it's, We've seen it in B2C. You wouldn't go out and spend $5,000 on a TV without doing your comparison and checking out reviews and ratings. And we're starting to see that shift in the B2B space now, which um, which we're trying to do with the reviews and testimonials on the recruiters as well. Create yeah. this So more, more transparency into recruitment agencies and... Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Who, who works with who? Who is providing the best services and what sort of roles are they working on? Because this sort of rich data is is really powerful for the decision maker, whether it be an employer or a candidate choosing who they want to engage as a recruiter. Mm. That's, it's, it's actually a very interesting point that, you know, as you say, getting the right candidates means that they're going to satisfy the employers. Yeah. 
um, and to get the right candidates, they're going to have a good experience. So exactly, yeah. The, the candidates are the commodity these days. We're in a talent short market, so making sure that you're an mm. advocate for great talent means that you're going to be able to place that talent in good roles. Yeah. <laughs> so as as a as a business, and this is a more general kind of question, um, you know, if I'm a business owner, how is it that I can find the best candidates, and that can it doesn't necessarily be like have to go to a recruiter, but just in general, what are the things I should be thinking about? Because um, there, there's a lot of talk now about culture and you know that's what a lot of people are looking for, like yeah. the, the dynamics of the company, right? The culture. Yeah, it's really important, particularly for a startup that might not necessarily have um, a well-known brand in the market. You've got to demonstrate that actually working inside your company is, um, is a real opportunity for the candidate. So. Mm -hmm. It's as much you selling the company to the candidate as it is them selling themselves to you as the next employee. Mm. And companies sometimes forget that. They sometimes change the dynamic of an interview whereby it's, you need to work for us. Um, you need to try and sell yourself to us where it's not like that anymore. In a candidate short market, you're both selling to each other. Um, so I think having a robust process in place in terms of your interview structure so you can demonstrate that culture um, and try and understand the culture fit is really important. Your job adverts that you're putting out there on Seek and LinkedIn, any anything you can do to demonstrate culture and demonstrate a good working environment is, um, is gonna hopefully drive you more candidates to mm. apply for the roles. Uh, but you've got to stick to it as well because if, if you write things that aren't necessarily true or aren't necessarily values of your business and someone comes and works for you and they, they don't feel that within the first six months, yeah. they're not aligned and they will leave because mm. jobs are out there. Yeah, that's true. So it's about being authentic to you know your value proposition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You've got to um, practice what you preach. Mm. No, that's, that's some pretty sound advice. And you know, I think it's, it's definitely one of the hardest challenges is getting and retaining the right people yeah yeah retentions are really important yeah. because people people move jobs a lot more than what they did 10 years ago so um i suppose to to retain the best employees you've got to ensure that you're helping them develop as a person as well great having you on the show yeah thanks man. thanks cheers if you haven't already check out our youtube channel it's available under the easy companies account and there'll be a nine to survive playlist so I hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next time.